0: Major league journeyman back in action. We have the most attractive free agent on the market, <laughs> fresh off a uh, a trip to Florida, right, Dax? Where most people collect a tan. You're you're coming. Collecting- Can you tell? Can't yeah. you tell? I was just coming back from there. I see seven new freckles. That's that's what you picked up down there, right? I don't I don't necessarily tan. I pink.
1: This is, this is what all redheads do, and so this is actually a really good tan in the redhead community. I don't know if you guys know that, but uh, yeah, man, Thanksgiving was great. I'll, it was lovely. Uh, great to be back in the, in Nashville.
0: It It is a lovely blush on you. You do look refreshed, energized, like a man uh, in the offseason. The other gentleman that we have here, uh, D, let me just go through some of your accomplishments as I was doing some recon here. Three-time MLS Cup champion, two-time Campeones Cup, U.S. Open Cup, NCAA champ with Akron, Gold Cup, Herman Trophy winner, two-time All-Star, two-time goal of the year in MLS. I mean, this shit is exhausting, D. And basically, <laughs> what you do is you essentially win. I, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Darlington Nagby is joining us, who is, uh fresh off uh, the inking of a new contract as well. Congratulations, mm-hmm. man.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, too. Hey, yeah. let me,
0: before we get into that, because
1: we do want to talk more about that, D., the other, uh, the other knucklehead on this podcast that makes up the tripod, Alan Gordon is not here, not joining us today. He's on a flight down to Florida. I guess he's going to go play golf. I don't know. Maybe the mortgage market is treating him really well the last couple of <laughs> months. I'm not sure. But when I texted the boys and said, hey, we got a, we got a whale coming on the pod, one of my favorite guys, not, not just one of my favorite players to watch and to play with. But one of my my favorite guys to chat with and hang out with, Mr. Nagby's coming on, um, direct quote from Alan Gordon in the group chat. Uh, just just he goes, "This is when we were talking about you potentially coming on. He goes, "Just tell him I am on the show. Guy fucking loves me." <laughs> <laughs> I need to know if there is any truth to that statement right there.:
2: Yeah, hey, I love Gordon man. He was on <laughs> my first I think he was at my first camp I went to, actually. Was he really? I ja- to, yeah. Jan- was it a January camp? No, it was. It was a qualifier down in. Miami, oh, wow. I think. okay. Yeah, he was there. Kyle was there. Beckerman. Kyle was so he was so cool and chill too. Like, he surprised me playing against him. I was like, ah, oh, ain't no way to. Yeah, Kyle. Him. Gotta, Kyle gotta, we, we, had, we
1: had Kyle. We had Kyle on the pod, and he is yeah. very much chill demeanor off the field. Absolute killer on the field. Uh-huh. Gordo. He's just he's just Gordo man. He's just mm-hmm. he's just happy. He's just happy to be there. He
0: was just happy to yeah. be kicking the ball around. Mm -hmm. kb kb's the man we were uh he was my roommate we lived together in denver um (laughs) when i was out there with the rapids before he got traded to salt lake but when we were both single and uh and running the town running around denver that was (laughs) yikes that was was a good time we had we had a good time (laughs) Uh, i think yeah kb was kb was uh he was just as aggressive off the field as he was on the field during those days. It was, it was a good shoe. <laughs> he's, he's a fun individual. Gordo though, on the other hand, man, he's a handful. And I think we actually might cover some ground here without him being on the pod. So D let's jump in. Let's start with, let's start with the new deal, man. Let's talk yeah. us through kind of where, where and how, and and mm-hmm. where we ended up.
2: Yeah. So obviously, you know, me being from, from Ohio, Cleveland area. So obviously uh, you know, I think it puts me in a position two years to end it up to end it here. So I'm happy about that. And not just that, but obviously the team and coach and the job he's done coming in and the players that we have, a good group of young talent. Uh and then uh myself in there as well. And that's one of the older players now, which is still crazy strange. Yeah, I know, right? It's weird. just having guys, yeah. I'm just having guys, you know, asking for advice, you know, asking them for advice, but now it's like the other way around. I'm like, man. Now I got to give answers to questions that I used to have, (laughs) but uh, it's strange. It's crazy to see though. It's crazy to see, but yeah, I'm happy about it. Uh, Club seems to be happy about it and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Did did
0: I hear you say that in two years it will be to end it in Columbus? I mean, are you, are you predicting Mm -hmm. that? Like as in two years is enough for you?
2: I mean, you never know as of, as of now. Yeah. As of now. Yeah. I remember Bradley was here, right? Phillips, you know?
0: He, no. said, he said that a
2: couple of times he's like yeah it's the last year it's the last year <laughs> I think mean, this is the last year and he just kept on going so you know probably two <laughs> two years the option so we'll see we'll see how I feel after that if they want you, me so still. you've
0: been you've <laughs> been i think um you know pretty intentional with with that in your past too with u s and, and kind of wearing wearing the badge with the uh the national team to, mm-hmm. how did that how did how did you get to that conclusion
2: uh ending it at a certain point yeah uh i think it's more i kind of plan my life off the field expecting you know i kind of go off of that where i'm expecting to be and then i kind of make the soccer decision after that so i think uh my life off the field is kind of you know it's been great and it's turned out how i wanted it to turn out so i think if things just keep going though know, in that direction yeah i just kind of use that to kind of plan things
0: So that that's really interesting, man. So do you you kind of how do you evaluate your off season? Obviously, you're Mm -hmm. looking to extend this season Mm -hmm. for a little while and and head into an off season. And then, do you kind of reevaluate, regroup, and set set goals for yourself? You set personal goals, family goals, on the field goals. Like, what does that? What does your process look like?
2: Uh, I would say just personal goals mostly. You know, looking at my kids, they're ten or about to be ten, so nine, seven, and five now. The kind of seeing where they're going to be at in two years, you know, my my youngest, he's probably going to start playing in about two years, and then yep. my wife, you know, she's been driving the other two around a lot now. And you know, I think she thinks she thinks it's busy. I might like, wait till they start traveling. You know, she yeah. plays yeah, she plays softball, so she thinks this is like a lot. I'm like, nah, babe, like it gets worse <laughs> than this. It gets worse <laughs> than this. So D, uh, that,
1: that that's something that that I think more players, mm-hmm. I think, can can take to heart in terms of your process. And mm-hmm. you know, you've you have 3 kids now. You, you're mm-hmm. you're a grizzled vet like myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you know, I can speak from my experience as well. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Dan went through the same process, but as you get older and as you go through your hierarchy of things that are important to you in the mm-hmm. latter stages of your career, that changed a lot for me at, with regards to now versus when I was 22, 23 years old. And so mm-hmm. I can totally understand and respect that process of how you came to, you know, want to be around more, want to be home more mm-hmm. with your kids and want to, you know, spend more time, you know, enjoying what that has to offer off the field. Because the truth is, is that as professional athletes, we do miss a lot of time with our families off the field, right? Whether it's weekends, whether it's preseason, uh, long road trips and, you know, I started to, to prioritize also, like, I, I really want to be around my kids. You know what I mean? I really want to be around my family as much as possible. I really want them with me going on this journey through the latter stages of my career. For them to be able to come on the field and, and celebrate win- wins and be in the locker room after games. And it's such a unique experience. Mm-hmm. Being able to have your kids with you in a place that you grew up in Ohio How special is that for you now in a different phase of your life and your career? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I know that family was, like, priority number one, two, and three for you. Isn't it, like, is it such a great feeling to be able to share that with your kids coming off the field after games, being able to share that with your family, and especially playing at a place where you know you're happy?
2: Yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. You know what I mean? And even though, like you said, those, you know, the way I prioritize You know my off the field life as opposed to my on my on field life. I think I don't think it's too it's too much of a popular way to do it or a popular decision, right? I think you know I've stuck with it, and I don't expect anyone to kind of do it how I've done it. You know I think everyone's different, everyone's situation is different. Uh, You know I think the goal for me was always at some point to play in Columbus. You know whereas someone's goal might always be to they got to get to Europe at some point or they got to get to this club or that club. You know. I think for me, the goal was always to always get to Columbus. And like you said it now, like on the field, after games, after wins, my kids are there. Uh, my wife is there. My sisters get to come on the field. My mom, my in-laws are there. So, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's a good life. I'm happy that you know, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Columbus be interested in me and to want to bring me here and to want to bring me home. It doesn't mm-hmm. always work out that way. So, I think, you know, i just been really fortunate, really fortunate in how uh, everything's panned out.
1: D before we move on you mentioned mm-hmm. you know you mentioned different players having different priorities
2: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes you know for certain players that's that's getting to Europe as soon as possible and mm-hmm. look I'll speak from I'll speak from from my personal uh, opinion of of you and I'm going to take away how much I like you off the field and I'm going to str- mm-hmm. strictly keep this to your contributions and you as a player mm-hmm. on the field mm-hmm. you are easily one of the most talented players that I've ever seen play in MLS, step foot in MLS, in terms of your skill set, what you bring to a team. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that would agree with the statement I just made. I think in your prime, you could have easily played in a top five league in Europe. I think that you could have played for a Champions League club. I think that there was probably no shortage of options for you to be able to do that. I'm curious as to what your process was like kind of evaluating if you wanted to go to Europe, if you had the option to go to Europe, and I know you probably had a few options back in the day uh, to be able to go there. And Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of curious as to how you came to to the the decision to want to stay in the U S and I know Mm -hmm. that a a lot of it is family related. Um, But for me, man, it would have great to, it would have been great for me to see you walking out on the field Mm -hmm. during that champions league anthem, man, and seeing Mm -hmm. you rep from a guy who literally me and guards were talking about this and texting about it a guy who's mm-hmm. done it at every single level of the US soccer pyramid you played in mm-hmm. college you played yep. in PDL you 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 went GA right you've mm-hmm. played on the east coast you played on the west coast like you've done it at every level you've played for the national team like i i think that uh you know for me obviously your motivations and like no one can can step into your body and make decisions for you, right? You've got to make decisions mm-hmm. best on what's based for yourself. But like, I'm just curious if there was ever a moment where you were really close to going to Europe and if that was ever a thought process in your mind.
2: I think the closest I've ever been was probably early twenties, early twenties. I think Spenny and I went over, we went over to Scotland. <laughs> it, was yeah. this, it was Celtic. It was around this time, this time actually, you know, it was uh, around Thanksgiving. And he was like, You want to check it out? I was like, Let's go see. They were playing Champions League. And it was against Barcelona. And at first, I just kind of went over there, just like, You know, let's just go check it out and see. Yeah. But he was like, All right, let's go. He was down. And then we went there. And, you know, like you said, that Champions League anthem came on. Man, I just turned, I looked at him. I was like, he yeah. Chills, huh? Yeah, it was just. That's cool. Celt- at Celtic Park, right? Is that what it's called? I forget what it's yeah. called. Celtic Park? Pretty sure. But, yeah, man. Yeah, it was just, I was, it was wild. I was like, Yeah, let's do it. You know, I think I surprised him when I told him, "Like, Yeah, let's make it happen. But then, you know, of course, if, you know things didn't work out transfer fees and things like that so right you know i wasn't i wasn't crushed or anything like that you know for me it was just like okay like that was a window of opportunity that opened up and then i was excited about that situation i think the coach was brandon rogers at the time i think that was probably the biggest thing champions league and brandon rogers was the biggest right. that attracted mm-hmm. me to it i was able to speak english there as well for my wife and all that so sure uh i think that was the one that i probably chased the most and then i think before i ended up in atlanta when i left portland uh there was that was more england uh looking at chances and opportunities there and Spencer was like yeah just keep doing what you're doing I was with the national team at the time and then uh I don't think I ever told anyone, but you know so I was looking to go before Atlanta I was looking to go there uh kind of whatever business would come in I probably would have sure. taken a chance at those but then my wife got pregnant with our last one yeah with our third one we didn't plan him but
1: uh, obviously. oops, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah, the
2: man. Crazy story, man. It was so funny because I asked you the day before. I was like, "Hey, what are we doing? We're having a third, Like, what is it? You know, and she was like, "Hell no!" Like, we're good. We're good with two, you know. And then her friend had a dream. The next day, she was pregnant. Right after we had, that no, conversation, it was crazy. It was crazy, <laughs> it was crazy. dude. D, that's uh, wild. You, her friend, yeah. her friend, that is legit. Exactly
0: the same thing yeah. that my wife and I went through with, with going mm-hmm. from three to four. We had had yeah. three. And kind of been on the fence. Like, should we go for four? Mm-hmm. And it was the night before. We're like, all right, we're not going to do it. We're we're mm-hmm. set on three. Sure enough, yeah. the next morning, woke up, left, and on the trip, Kel was like, "I, you know what? I think I need to go to to, to the CVS. And I was like, well, what? He's <laughs> was like, ah, well, we're, we're going to find out. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, but, man. you know, as as you know, you, the unplanned, mm-hmm. ones, man, it changes your life, but in, in so many good ways.
2: Exactly. You know, and I'm like, no, nah, I look at him, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't even picture a life without him, you know, it's just like, yeah, out of yep. three, you know, he was the one we didn't plan, but like, for sure, we would have had three, regardless if we had what I planned there or not planned it, you know, so I think after I found that out, I was like, you know, just, you know, where can I go within the league that, you know, you know, that's not your, but still gives you that excitement, you know, that feeling sure. that at that time, Atlanta was, Atlanta was popping, still popping, but that was like, you know, yeah,
0: like yeah. I was there. That I was, know, I was hot. There. Joseph is Atlanta there. Atlanta It was, was like,
2: hot. man. Yeah, like, man. You know, I still get asked the most about that team out of, you know, all the teams I've been on. I get asked about, you know, those those couple of years. I think there,
1: I, so. I, I think Dan was there covering you yeah, was there. for for most of your time. I, I think yeah. we want to talk about you're you were kind of the, the free agent trailblazer, right? I mean getting worked yeah, yeah. getting we'll court get, yeah. <laughs> you're getting flown over on Arthur's PJ,
0: huh? Darlington, you were the fruits of you were the fruits of my labor getting free agency in. <laughs> If
1: Gordo was on here right now, he would be telling you to kiss his feet the ground that he walks on because oh he God. opened Gordo up all those doors for just,
0: us. Just so we're clear, Gordo didn't do a goddamn thing when it comes to the players' union. Not Nothing. Not anything, which is Nothing. pretty much part and parcel for, for the way that he operates in general. But I do there, – there's a lot there, D, that you were just touching on. But mm-hmm. can you – talk? I want to hear – I do want to hear – what that was like that I I don't think we ever talked about that. The story of how the jet, like, I mean, there was so much hoopla around this coup of essentially Atlanta picking up Darlington Nagby, which was like in MLS circles at the time was mind blowing because Mm -hmm. Atlanta was really, really exciting. They had a Mm -hmm. really established team. They had some real, real players and Almiron and Joseph and, and Parkhurst. And I mean, they were, they were Mm -hmm. in, they were in a great spot. And then, Mm -hmm. Sure enough, it, it the five stripes don't stop, right? That was their motto. Yeah. They're talking about reporting that there's a private jet to pick up Darlington Nagby. What can you get? Can you give us a little bit behind the scenes on that? Because I, I was, I have always been intrigued by that.
2: Yeah, it was. And you know, I think I was, I was in Portland seven years, you know, which is a long time. There was yeah. nothing wrong. They had a good time there. You know, I just wanted something new. You know, that's why England was an option. That's why I was entertaining that you know, if opportunities would have happened with that, you know, but I think, like I said, and the next best thing to that was Atlanta to me, you know, and the uh, talk to Spencer and my agent, you know, we all love spinning. You know, <laughs> he was like, yeah, for sure, let's talk about it. And then uh, they said, yeah, they definitely, they were interested. And then for me, once, you know, I heard there was interest, I said, hey, if Tata wants it, like I'm down, you know, no matter, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes clubs and things can happen, clubs want you, but might not sure. be cool. But for me, I think it was huge that Tata wanted me there. So when I heard Tata wanted me there, I was like, all right, yeah, for sure. Let's make it happen. And then they yeah, had the jet. My mom and I got on the jet. She didn't I kept, t- I kept telling her. I was like, Yeah, the jets coming, mom, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay, like whatever.
0: I'm like, mom, that's what they <laughs> told
2: me. I was like, if I'm lying to you, it's because they lied to me. Like, we're you know we're way we're waiting for the jet to come. I think once it pulled up, she still didn't believe it. She's looking out there and we're all she stood. Your, mom, still, your mom's trying to like, keep you humble, bro. She's yeah, like, they ain't sending man. no jet for you. I know, right? She's like, nah. They're probably gonna send something different for you. You're probably just sitting here. They're gonna come here, just gonna do business here or whatever. I was like, that's it. Jets really is coming, but nah. That was man. That so who? Experience. So you and you and your mom got picked up by the jet. Yeah, so it was off season, and I was home in Cleveland, uh, and then that's when the deal happened. That's when the deal went through the trade, and uh-huh. I like, all right, come in and you know meet some fans and do everything, come take a tour and all that. And I was like, oh, of course, perfect. Why not? Uh, you know, I always Who'd wanted to live in the. Who was uh, there? Who came? Carlos came. Who else came with Carlos? Paul McDonough came. And then I'm missing someone. I think those are the two, the two big guys that came. That came they didn't with bring uh, any,
0: Like They didn't bring any strippers or anything.
2: Nah, nah,
0: nah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm sure.
0: Nah, I'm sure, wife, I'm, I'm, like, sure, sure Maggie, I'm sure Mom and Nagy would have
1: been real. Mom, real. actually the actually <laughs> the
0: jet didn't come. It turns out they did it didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah i remember that whole thing like the video came out and all that i was like man you know me i was just like this is a lot you know yeah, yeah you're just, not so really in your, in your yeah, profile right yeah well, i'm just coming here to you know, kick a ball around and just try to win then they, they're, know, they're, they're
1: releasing a new music video for you dude
2: for, for real right and they had the you know the g-wagons waiting and stuff to pick us up you know my yes. mom's sitting there looking like what are they doing my baby like, <laughs> i you know, love great. it <laughs> but it was cool. Though. And then once I got once I got there, then it was just it was just up from there. It was just up from there. Everything kind of and obviously like any, any new situation took a you know a couple of games, a couple of preseason to kind of get used to everything, get used to Tata. But once that happened, then it was yeah, it was great from there.
0: Yeah, man, that's I mean, Tata, we've we've talked a lot about Tata with his inclusion mm-hmm. in Miami this year and <clears throat> but, mm-hmm. you know, and what you had mentioned kind of everybody essentially asking about that yeah. because they were so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's, I see a lot of similarities, but I'd be interested to hear from you in terms mm-hmm. of some of, you know, the great teams that you were on. So obviously one with Portland, mm-hmm. you won with Atlanta, mm-hmm. obviously one with Columbus already, but what are some of the similarities that, that mm-hmm. you're seeing to this team right now that you're mm-hmm. on that maybe you can point to with some of the other
2: MLS cup champions that you, that you've, uh, that you've been with? Mm-hmm. I'd say probably this team. It's kind of a mixture of the other, you know, the, the team that I won with in Portland and the Atlanta team. You know, we got some key players, you know, Cucho, uh, Nau Rossi, uh, you know, just key players that are doing good things, big things. I got their, their names out there. And then, the, you know, the chemistry that we had in 2015. But I think that team in Portland, we're the, I think we're the last seed or second to last seed to get in there. But the chemistry mm-hmm. in that group was just so good on top of having, you know, Adi was – just balling at that point, Fernando Adi, and then we had uh Dude, he was a know, handful, the, man. Yeah, and we had the great Diego Valeri, Chira. So it was great, man. It was great. Will Johnson was there, he got injured, but obviously having Will there as well, his leadership. You guys had so, a squad that year. Yeah, you know, it's just Rodney I think Rodney was, was Rodney right? was there, yeah, had a goal in the finals, you know. Man, my god, I miss legend. But uh I know Tico, Crazy. Tico Rodney. Yeah, me and Dax almost played together, actually, Dan. If not Where? for uh if not for Rod in Portland. That's right. Really? That's right. You yeah. know that,
1: dude. Expansion draft, baby. Oh, yeah, that's Expansion fine. draft, man. I was, I was <laughs> man, I think back to that and I'm like, oh, DC was great because then it led me to Red Bull, you know, and Red Bull was awesome. It was a great time in my career. Mm-hmm. And I always think about sometimes, what if what if Portland wouldn't have traded me? I would have been able to play with Diego Chara in <laughs> Darlington-Nagby in a midfield for, dude. you know, a couple of years in my prime. Wow. what, What an experience that would have been. Maybe maybe I would have had an MLS Cup. Maybe Darlington would have led me to an, an MLS Cup that I, I so <laughs> I so greatly miss. Um but man, that was that maybe was Maybe next year, Dex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows, man? You never know. <laughs> I got a, I got an opening you know. on, on the hands.
0: You never know. Uh, hey D talk about I want to hear about um the insider perspective on Kucho mm-hmm. because I covered I covered a couple of your games this summer and mm-hmm. man, he seems and, and I I'm hoping that you're gonna corroborate this, but he mm-hmm. seems like a killer, and he seems yeah. like he's got that just natural instinct that like I feel like we saw from Joseph Martinez that you obviously played with, but I I mean I watched that over and over and over again week in and week out, and him just mm-hmm. show up to perform, and I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like Cucho has very similar attributes.
2: Yeah, that's the. You know, when he first came, I didn't want to compare him to Joseph because, you know, Joseph is Joseph. And what he did, sure. you know, in that amount of time that I was with him was like, it was just amazing. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to like compare him when he first came, but I saw it same. Like you said, I saw, I see the similarities between them uh clinical and chances that you get it's a goal, uh, shoot on yep. sight. You know what I mean? Like that killer, like and he's going to put his head where it needs to be put to get that goal, you know? Yes. So uh probably sim- similar type players. uh I don't want to compare them too much, probably Joseph was probably just had you know more experience at the time when I met Joseph versus when Kucho right. came in. And right. I think Kucho as you can see this year he's growing into that growing into that player. You know, he's uh outside the box, you know, he can strike a ball, but then he's also inside the box, he's gonna finish his chances. You know, and he's a killer also. So that's the thing that, you know, we all love about him, not just in the games, but in training. D- you know, he wants I- to win in training. Yeah, sorry, brother. Sorry. Keep going. I didn't no, mean good. to interrupt you. No, you're good, but yeah, no Dude, similar similar guys, similar guys, seriously. I was I was
1: I was thinking about kind of the similarities between, like, the three MLS Cup teams you were on. And, mm-hmm. and for me, like, you hit on it a little bit. You get, Each team had elite strikers playing at crazy mm-hmm. high levels. And, and mm-hmm. I think for me, like, the one thing I look back on in my – the teams that I played on, the lack of success that we have had, mm-hmm. ha- has been, like, we haven't had our guys get hot, right? And I look at Adi on fire in the playoffs, right? Uh, you had Joseph, couldn't miss, right? Scoring goals for fun, and now you have mm. Cucho, who is playing, been playing at an MVP level for the last who knows, you know, three four months, right? I mean, you need that. You need your your best players to be your best players in the playoffs and step up in those big moments. And so for me, I look at all those teams that you were on, and I think, okay, like yeah, there are little subtle differences here and there between the style of play. I, I look at your Columbus team and it's more of a, I guess, a question about Wilfred, right? Nancy and what he's come in and been able to do. I, I look at your Columbus team, like like your Portland team. I feel like you guys were structurally really solid, maybe a little bit more defensive minded, maybe, you know, right? You had Valeri, everything went through Valeri, then you go to your Atlanta team, right? You guys were high octane, high press, like get the ball to to Miguel and just go, right? Have Joseph go, Tito Vialba. like just pace, speed, I look Good. at your Columbus team and I'm like, man, they they have little differences between those two teams, but I think you're just a more complete, well put together team, and you play a completely unique structure and style. And what I mean by that is like you're playing, you're playing three center backs, and yeah. sometimes they're not even center backs, they're midfielders. <laughs> and yeah. I see, like, I see your wing backs are wingers, right? And like mm. Your, to be fair, the, Leandro Perez was basically a winger as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Leandro Gonzalez Perez would be perfect for this system because I see guys like Moreira and guys like Amundsen who plays yeah, center back yeah. for you guys. They are literally on top of the box, on top of the mm-hmm. opposition box. And I, I know that comes from, from coaching. I just mm-hmm. am curious if you could go into a little bit of detail about Wilfred and how he has changed the mentality in Columbus, how he changed the mm-hmm. formation, the style to get mm-hmm. you guys humming on all cylinders. Because for me, aesthetically, the way that you guys play, you guys are the most fun team to watch in MLS in terms of chances created, goal-scoring ability. Like, I just want to know how Wilfred has come in and just been able to to turn that switch and turn that screw for you guys so effectively.
2: I think you said he like, come in, look like you said, not thing one big one is, you know, the positioning. Nothing I think you see guys sometimes, or teams, when they play three in the back, they have three center backs, you know, whereas we have our outside center backs or outside backs. So you know, Marrera, yeah. he he can go. You know, at times you know he's outside center back, but he can kind of he can creep up, he can step up with the ball, he can play wide and make that overlap. Same yep. with Hamilton on the left side. You know, same thing, some of the type profiles. And those guys, you know, they have pace, they're strong. You know, they can defend one v one. And then I think those probably that's probably a big difference between our team and a lot of teams that play three in the back. We have yeah, you know, we have one center back back there. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are, you guys play
1: with a goalkeeper, <laughs> a center back, and then like yeah. seven attacking players. <laughs>
2: And then, but saying that, he, you know, this where you know he comes in because he's okay. We're going to play like this. When the ball turns over, everyone's got to get back. Yeah, everyone's got to get after. You know what I mean, Darling, I remember
1: he, specifically playing you guys. So the first mm-hmm. game we played against you guys this year, yeah, at in Nashville, it was one of our best performances of the season, mm-hmm. and we were able to win that game. We mm-hmm. we scored on a bunch of set pieces, but the way that we were able to actually win that game was, and I thought we played pretty well. We were able to neutralize the things that you do well and, and Aiden mm-hmm. Morris, right? We, we mm-hmm. really focused on trying to, to shut you and Aiden down. And I felt like that was mm-hmm. effective and it helped us win mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to when we played you guys in Columbus a few months later, you guys ended up beating us. I think it was 1 or two zero. I remember seeing your lineup come out that day and I, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> I was like, these guys are absolutely insane. I think mm. I think A. Mm. Morris was actually with the national team at the time, oh, yeah, and I'm that's like, right, I wonder, right. I wonder who they're gonna play in midfield, bro. You guys started with your two your two wing It was like Yaboa and I don't think you had Gressel at the time. I think it was Farsi.
2: Farsi. So yeah.
1: two very aggressive wingbacks. and like you started Cucho, Zeller, Ryan, Christian Ramirez. And I'm like, who's playing bro. next to Darlington? Matan. Maton every, was playing every attacking option yeah. literally Just every attacking on option on the yeah. roster i'm like they're playing Matan as a as a as an eight next to darlington i'm like these yeah. guys do not give a an f about <laughs> what we're doing going the other way they are literally going for it and i'm like man i i love that secretly yeah. i was like all right this is this is a little bit alarming and hopefully we can hit them in transition but like <laughs> If, if, if you are going to be that aggressive and play that many attacking mm-hmm. players, every single one of those attacking players has to have the mindset of, all right, I'm going to recover. I'm going to defend because if we do that, we are going to have a lot of joy going forward. And I, I just remember thinking, man, I mean, we, we lost the game. And I think, you know, it, you guys had about 80% possession. But it. Just, I just remember thinking, I love how aggressive your coach mm-hmm. is and how much confidence mm-hmm. he's putting into your players to really be the aggressor at home. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Do you
2: remember that game? Yeah, I remember that game. That was the first time they put him next to me. I was like, Oh man. You, were
1: prob- you were probably like, What is
2: yeah. going on right now? <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I know and I know <laughs> I know my outside center backs are going. Yeah. And I know I got Matan next to me. So it was like, man, like that's if, we, some, if we lose that's the ball, we gotta win it right responsibilities back. For you. It is, it is. I think we had Sean Zawaski was playing behind me, I think, at the time. I think in the middle, middle center back. So yeah, I remember talking to him, I was like, Hey, like, let's just let's just be locked in. You know what I mean? Let's, Let's yeah. just be locked in, make sure the transition. We just cut we just cut those out, you know? And I think when it comes back to Wilfrey, I think he's that's where he's been huge. Okay, we're gonna yeah. play this way, but you guys have to accept responsibility also. If we play that. like this and an attack like that and play this way, we can only do it if everyone buys into it. You know, not just uh, you know, the back line and the mm-hmm. you know the six and the eight, but not like Kutro as well. Hey, when it turns over, you gotta get there or you gotta get back. So I think everyone's coming and everyone's bought into it, and I think he's kind of giving guys that freedom, you know, to just be free, express yourself, you know, try things. And with that, like I said, responsibility, we're going to try things, but when it turns over, Hey, we all got to get back. Either we win it or we get back. I Dude, think that's I one that. thing we've, yeah, that's one way we've really grown. I think throughout the season, I think a lot in the beginning, we focused a lot on playing and, you know, making it look good and doing all that, which we did. But I think now we've evolved and grown in, in the sense where now we have, you know, 10 guys that are getting behind the ball and working and trying to win that ball back. I think you can really see our, our growth with that. And also, and I think we'll go, go, go. And there's other point, you know, recognize the moments when do we go and when do we break? Yep. When do we go? When we let the team to breathe and catch up. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. So I think he's 100%. done a great
2: job, you know. That's why I think coaching is tough, man. You know, I think we have guys that think they can just go and coach. I'm like yeah, I'm not one no. of those guys, you know. I'm not yeah. one of those guys that believe like, I can just stop right now and go and coach and do things. Man, that's like a that. craft.
0: That's a different craft
2: tell you man just seeing you know just seeing how he's you know not just him but all all i had i've had good coaches i've been lucky enough but just seeing how they kind of put things together you know throughout the season how they're patient with certain things introduce different things to to the team at a certain point you know yeah uh, i think it's been great and it's been great to see kind of him do that uh I think it's only his third season right as a head coach Yep. So I think for him, yeah, so yep. for him to come in and, you know, obviously last year, a great season he had in Montreal, and then he's doing it again this year with us. So, yeah. I love, All I, guys- I love that.
1: I love the I love the fact that he puts trust and faith in you guys. He gives mm-hmm. you a platform, and he says, we'll play this way because mm-hmm. every player wants to – every player, every team says the same thing. We yeah. want to play an up, up-tempo, attractive, attacking <laughs> <laughs> style of soccer. Every team says mm-hmm. that. Every coach yeah. says that. Every GM says that. Yeah. Not a lot of them follow through on that. Seriously, yeah. not a lot well, of them. Because you got to get results. This. That's exactly, thing. but you have to be able to, for me, it's like you have to be able to get results. You have to be able to coach up the system that you want to play to the point mm-hmm. where like, the players buy into it so much, it's second nature, right? And that, mm-hmm. to me, looks like what Columbus is doing, right? Mm-hmm. They know the system. They don't change the system for anyone. They mm-hmm. they don't go to four in the back They mm-hmm. when they're on the road. They play the same way every single time. And to me... That is a difficult thing to do because in MLS, you're right, Dan. I think it is going more results based. There's more pressure on coaches than ever before. I think there's more coaching vacancies now than ever before because yeah. the, the the pressure is higher. And so it's
0: changing.
1: It is changing. And I look at what Wilford Nancy did with this Columbus team and I'm like, man, that is that is a hell of a job. Right. And like I don't know if he was I don't know if he was a finalist for coach of the year. If he wasn't, should have been. Um, because mm. he the job he's done in Columbus has been fantastic, and and quite honestly, I know we're going to get into a little bit of the, the Eastern Conference Final here, the Cincinnati game coming up. But what you guys have been able to do, man, second half of the season, um, especially you know just me being a fan of the league and, and fan of teams, I've, I've enjoyed watching you guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's also yeah. had some pretty impressive players like the on, on the sure. field because you know for for having these systems and these you know styles of play. You also and Darlington, you you know, you guys are talking about this specific game like you have to have that awareness of reading the game as well, which like a coach Mm -hmm. can certainly set set it up and set up the tactics and set up the approach. And if you want to continue to, you know, stay the course and keep that style game in and game out. But you're reading different player profiles the entire time you set up. Right. I mean, having the amount of attacking options on the field, we all know that you can attack and you can score goals and you can be that facilitator, but you can also play the six too. And and Mm -hmm. I I think what I would like to hear from you D and and I know that this really isn't in your DNA to, to pump Mm -hmm. your own, uh, your own highlights, but I want to hear just kind of how you feel like you fit into this specific team, because I feel Mm -hmm. like we've kind of watched, I mean, I I haven't been your teammate, but I've watched you Mm -hmm. progress as a player, um, throughout this league and throughout your time in Mm in the league and you've been successful every step of the way, but do you feel like you're still the same player? Do you feel like your, your role has evolved into a different way that you see the game or you see yourself fitting in and how does that work within this Columbus team specifically?
2: I think, uh, I think my, my role changed, I think in terms of the you know, kind of like I touched on before earlier, just, uh, what's this guy doing? <laughs> Is that the kids? I have to tell uh, my wife, my dogs are barking. It could be the
0: kids, it could be the dogs, it, it could be his wife. You know, you never know with Dax. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go, all right. No, but I would say, probably my, I will say kind of now, like I touched on earlier, kind of being, you know, one of the older guys in the team is, I think like my role change in that sense. Whereas, you know, before I would look up to, you know, Parker, so I look up to Jeff, Lorenzo, so guys sure. like that, or Chow R. I'll look to them for advice and leadership. Whereas now, you know, Along with a couple of other guys on the team, were the ones that some of the guys are coming to looking for answers and leadership. So I say mm-hmm. probably just changed in that way, and then playing wise, it's just kind of I don't know if it's, it's changed too much, but I've always been the type that focused, You know, I focus on my teammates, and then I try to focus right. on my game second because I you know I think the more we can get everyone going on, you know, firing on the on the same cylinders, firing on all cylinders. I think the more you got, you know, instead of having one guy play great, you know, it doesn't matter where you're going to have, you know, ten guys, eight, seven guys, you know, giving you an eight or seven. You know what I mean? Yeah, for it's sure. Like the more the more guys that you can have playing at a certain level, the better your chances are to win. That's kind of how I've approached it, you know, making sure I, I always sacrifice parts of my game to make sure you know someone else has a good game. And at the end do you feel
0: more empowered that like you know your veteran leadership is mm-hmm. on the field now? I mean you're you're a cap you're the captain, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, more do, you,
0: do, you feel that, do you feel that sense of responsibility on, on the field?
2: Uh, I'll say I've always felt it, you know, whether I've been the captain or not, you know. Uh, no matter who's being around me. I think I've always felt it just because of how my game is, you know. I feel like I can be a guy that can get on the ball and do certain things, but at the same time, you know, I can sacrifice that and do other things, do the dirty work if that needs to be done as well. So I feel like like some of my teammates have appreciated that, you know. I think maybe some of them see the sacrifice that I have made in the past that I continue to make to make sure that the team is successful. I think that pushes the guys in in, in a different type of way, maybe not verbally, not verbal leadership, but kind of making sure I'm doing certain things and certain type of work that kind of makes them, okay, you know, this guy's sacrificing and doing certain things. And, you know, I can do that too. I can do a little bit more. I can do this or that. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: So as a leader, um, mm. have you ever gone into a referee's locker room and and <laughs> gone after these guys? What <laughs> what, the hell, what the hell is going on? Because this bouncing ball is extremely difficult to follow right now. And I mm. can only imagine how... Wilfred and you guys are trying to plan for this because it seems like this is not even something that's resolved yet. Uh, you know, for mm-hmm. those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Matt Miazga being suspended for an additional three games, which now everyone on the Cincy side is, and the players, Union, the the players association came out with an, another statement today, but basically saying that like everything that these referees are saying is complete BS outside of him actually oh, uh, walking into the room. So mm-hmm. Dax, have you read this statement? Have I you did. read this statement from the PA? I read I read this. I read the statement. See, have you yeah. seen have you seen the statement from the PA?
2: No, I haven't seen it. I heard the guy talking about it, but I didn't see it.
0: So I mean... they they just basically came out and were like, you know, we've we elected to stay quiet through the process, which is kind of standard operating procedure for the PA. But now that it's it's completed and they're suspending mm-hmm. him, they said that they have footage of basically refuting what the referees said they're now calling the referees out and saying that there's this is now a matter of integrity because they're essentially lying about what happened Mm -hmm. and they want it and and they called out the league too in saying that they didn't take any of this evidence into account when they handed down the additional three-game suspension for Mm -hmm. miazga
1: pretty aggressive very aggressive yeah. Which I, is like there's only one solution. I don't hate him. I there's only like one, it. there's only one solution. You gotta release the tapes. You know.
2: Let the public see. Let the public let the see. See. <laughs> that's gonna <laughs> say it.
0: I mean, Noonan was the first one to comment on it. He was like, none of this is accurate. Miazga went in like two hours after the game with a pizza box, like just going to to have a chat with the ref, which like brings up a bigger question. Are we doing enough to hold these referees accountable and should they be held accountable in any way because it is a slippery slope right like if you're I don't think that we can retroactively ask them to describe every decision that they make in a game but I also feel like there's a complete lack of accountability right now in in anybody saying anything and if there's this organization right there's a professional referees pro organization whatever it is which i don't know if you watch any of this stuff but i feel like i see referees on on cbs or they're on like christina uncle or she's on uh or somebody else is on um on the league roundtable in kind of explaining some of these decisions why can't that be on the weekend like why can't that be active within a game as players you guys feel like today with VAR and with these like major decisions that are obviously now significantly affecting playoffs and potential MLS cup should they be mm-hmm. held accountable to explain their their thought process
2: yeah i think so i think even if it's not you know i don't know what you can do you know to punish them for bad calls and things like that you know like i don't know about all that but like like you said i think they should they could give interviews if not right after the game you know we have to do it after the game <laughs> right. We just have to do it right after the game you know but i think they can give interviews and people that are interested in it will watch it and go and pay attention to it if you don't care what the ref has to say you just don't watch it but i think you can give them even if you want to give them a day or whatever let them come back midweek or whatever it is after they've watched the game again or watch some of those calls and let them you know just say what they thought on that play so now we know what the referees are thinking and what they're seeing that way yeah. we know we both get a better understanding of each other i'd say i think uh-huh. that
0: I think that that's human, very politically correct. I like that. Darling. No, I, I think he's right, though. I think that human that
1: human aspect of it is important, right, is to, to see that these aren't robots. These are human beings making decisions that sometimes they get right. Sometimes they get wrong. And I think there have been steps taken to help with that transparency, i.e., let let us listen in on the VAR conversations, how those mm-hmm. go down. Right. Yeah. Like, why not? Like, and, and And I think that's a really big step that they can take to do it like in real time. Right. I think I don't know if they do it in the Premier League, but but like I think it'd be great if the broadcast could straight up cut to what the refs are talking about, what they're hearing in real time during VAR calls, even during during the the broadcast. Like before you finish,
0: I can let me add just one little color to that, because as a broadcaster, we get very little information of like live decision making, what's going on, what they're looking at. And they've gotten better. But there's still a point, like there was a, a point where I was calling a Chicago game and I went down, I walked down to the VAR cause we're sitting there with no clue. And I went down at halftime and I was like, Hey, what was, what was the decision? Uh, yeah. And why did you guys, you know, what were you looking at? Because we didn't, we didn't know. We didn't have any information. And, and they got very upset. They were like, you can't come in here. You got to get out of here. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, we're just, we're just trying, you know, we're just trying to deliver this information to, to other people. But, I mean, all, even the offside call in the Philly game, the Philly-Cincy game, that that right. causes a pretty big uproar, causes a pretty big stir, one way or the other. You can argue both sides of that, whether he's offside or onside. Why why won't they just show you? Like, why yeah. why can't we just go in there and see that or at least see the angles that they're looking at? And I think that's where we're headed. And as far as, like, like accountability, I, I think
1: – I do think at least this is what we're told is that referees, when they make big – Big decisions or bad calls or mismanage a game, they're docked MLS games, right? They they lose a couple games and they go down to USL or they're just off for a few weekends. I'm not sure, but like to me, the 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 bigger issue with regard to the Miazga situation is just the nature of what the refs are saying and what Cincinnati's saying, right? Like surely, like there's pro- the truth is it, it probably lies somewhere in the middle, right? And I think Matt would probably admit, hey. I was wrong.
2: Sure. I shouldn't
1: have I shouldn't have gone into the referee's locker room. And now, look, it's a big decision. I I I've played with Matt, both in the national team and at Red Bull. And part of what makes him so good is he's got this like Jersey aura about him, right? Like, like mm-hmm. F you. Like, I'm gonna come yep. and I'm gonna steal your lunch money and steal your lunch and I'm gonna beat you. And like that's part of his persona. That's part of what's taken him to the next level. He's played in Europe, he's he's played for the national team, right? And so mm-hmm. obviously. It's hard to turn that off, but when you're off the field and the frustration seemingly has settled down, you would think, hey, it, there's nothing good that can come out of going into the referee's locker room. Whether you want to like talk to him or not, if you happen to run into him when he's leaving the stadium and you talk to him on the field again, that's one thing, but you can't go into the referee locker room no matter what. So for me, I, I think that there's no... I, I don't have an issue with the suspension, if I'm being honest because no player is allowed to do that or should do that but the mm-hmm. characterizations of like how it went down yeah of course you can always quibble with a little bit of that i'm curious d you know I, i'm sure you guys were preparing accordingly and you guys aren't changing your game plan too much but how, how do you think this changes things for the for the final coming up obviously you guys have to go to cincinnati you've been there before it's a big time derby hell is real um you played some really good games with cincinnati in the past and we've talked about them plenty on the pod i, I think uh, I think as a pure number 10, Lucho Acosta is one of the best in the league. Clearly he was the MVP this year. That's gonna fall on on you and Aiden Morris's shoulders to try to contain him and control him. I'm curious how if the Miyazga suspension, if, if it affects your guys' game plan at all, or or just generally how you guys are approaching the game plan, because I'm sure it's gonna be the same as you guys always want to play. I
2: think there's another thing you'll like about Coach too about Nancy, you know, he doesn't really, you know, he kind of focuses on us. <laughs> you know what like said. I love it. He he, he focuses It's on not us. that
0: surprising, is it?
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. I think if you hear him talk, you know, everything is always like, focus on the process, focus on us. Control where you can control. The opponent is the opponent, you know? So Great. I think uh, news came out today. You know, he didn't really – we went out to train, and he didn't say anything about it. You know? <laughs> so it. Yeah, he didn't say anything about it. So whether he will say something about it, probably be in the – I'm not sure, but, you know, I'm sure he has his plans. He has his thoughts, you sure. know, but he doesn't want to – he doesn't seem like the type of guy or the coach. You know, from the past year that I've known that wants to kind of say something about it to make it seem that it might be harder or it might be easier any type right. of way, because, you know, what I mean, because know, yeah. knows? because, you know, I think he knows he's, a, you know, he's, he's thoughtful and thinks about these things, you know, they might try, they might rally up and try to play for Matt. Sure. You know, sure. so he doesn't want to make it seem that, okay, the next guy that steps in won't be able to do a job, you know, he might go in there and be the, you know, uh, be the best player in the game. Who knows? So I think he hasn't addressed it. Uh, obviously, Matt's a big, big-time player for them, and you know a great defender. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: D. <laughs> last one for me, and we'll get you out of here. Uh, but I think
2: my son just showed up. Dax,
0: Dax and I hey. will both be. Uh, <laughs> What's up, bro? There he is. How we doing? Say hi. Huh? What jersey? What jersey you rocking? Uh, man. Man. Uh, hold on wait hold on
1: i've got a messy jersey let me run and go grab it let's do it <laughs> you excited you excited to watch dad this weekend yeah you think he's gonna win yeah uh, okay i think so too
0: i think so. what too. position you play you play the six, six? okay well there's
1: three man. there's three sixes on this pod right now
0: i love it
2: <laughs> he plays number six for national
1: Oops. Yeah, your uh, dad gets the best of me these days. But you know, back when I was younger, I, I, I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> Love
2: you, man. Go uh, ahead, Marks. Let's get him do, out of here do, on this one.
0: Yeah, we'll get you we'll get you out of here on this. But I, mm-hmm. I do I know Dax and I are both gonna be watching the game. Mm-hmm. Why why will you beat Cincinnati? Like what what part of this game for you mm-hmm. do you have do you feel like if you can succeed in this area of the game, that help us help us watch for certain cues here for this mm-hmm. upcoming match. What are you looking for to be successful? No, I
2: think like you guys said you know, Acosta obviously one of the best tens, if not the best 10 in the league. So I think controlling him, controlling him, and then make sure that we control the game as well. You know, so like I talked about, you know, before and how the team has grown defensively. I think we've really grown defensively. We've always been a good attacking team, but I think defensively we've really grown. So how do we control Acosta and then on the attacking end, continue to do what we're doing if possible, and then when we get chances make sure we take care of them. You know, it'll be a hostile, tough environment to go in and play. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time we were there, it was a wild game actually. We were down two, tied up 2-2, and then they came They came out to the end 3-2 at home. We had the best of them. I think it was 3-0, I think. So, uh, no, nah, it'll be a good game. It'll be a good game. I like Acosta, you know? I like Acosta. I like him. Even when he was at his D.C. days, I've always liked him. So, uh, you know, for me personally, you know, it's good to see two Ohio teams going at it, being from Ohio. Yeah. You know, two nice stadiums, you know, uh, Eastern Conference Final. Like, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. It'll be a good game.
1: No, it's a big game, man. And uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to watching. I'm looking forward to watching. And, uh, you know, I I think it would be be pretty cool to see you win another ring. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to put it out there. Darlington Nagby gets his fourth ring. He's already in the pantheon of, of greatest midfielders <laughs> to ever play in MLS. <laughs> but a fourth ring, I don't know, Dan, we need to start having conversations about, you know, best midfielder to ever play in MLS.
0: I was going to say, man, I, I mean, I, I was thinking that when I was running down your accomplishments and thinking about, you know, the we've talked on this pod a lot uh, about what it means to be a journeyman and, and kind of the way that the American player kind of has progressed through the system. Um, and you are, have to be, if not the best example of a player. Poster that, child. Yeah. The poster child of, <laughs> of, of just coming up in our system and having success and continuing to do it. I mean, you know, obviously we were chatting a little bit about your decision to not go to Europe and, and a lot of players either have at, at minimum, just the opportunity to consider that, which is, which is a great honor um but to make the decision to stay here and to stay in this league i think with your talent and with your ability and and your presence within the league and, and what you've kind of committed to the american game i think is is massive and it's massive for for kids that are going to follow um follow all of us and and you know go the college route or do whatever it is they do whether that's the academy route and and knowing that you can still find success and still kind of stick to your craft it's it's um it's nothing short of impressive, D. And uh, you know we're we're honored to have you here and and have a chat. And hopefully, you know you'll be back with us uh, maybe next week and, and talking about a W, getting pr- getting prep for uh, for is, MLS Cup. Is so. Darlington
1: is Darlington going to be our Aaron Rodgers? We'll, do we'll, friend, do, friend
0: we'll <laughs> do. we'll do. We'll do. We'll
1: do Nagby Nagby Thursdays.
0: Nagby Thursdays. Yeah, well, we just do got do a new week, deal, so it. we should have. We to pay
1: Darlington, for, you got to You have to come on the pod one more time just so we can hear Gordo talk about how much you love him.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, let's do it next week. we we'll, up. We'll
1: D, honestly, from my perspective, thanks a lot for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure uh-huh. hearing from you. It's a pleasure talking to you. It's not so fun playing against you these days with my <laughs> with my older legs. You're still like a robot, but uh, uh, best of luck, man. We'll yeah. uh, we'll be watching.
2: Sounds good. Appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for having me. This, this is fun. This is all fun. right, bro.
1: Enjoy your kids, man.
2: Sounds good, guys. Have Peace. a good one. Good luck, pal. Thanks.